What would we all look like if we stopped fighting and stopped resisting the power of the Spirit of God? If we surrendered to Him and said, Lord, take over, just what would we look like? What would happen during our moment in history if we truly got out of the Spirit of God's way? Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. We read in Ephesians chapter 5 that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? And how is it different from being indwelled by the Spirit? Well, more answers forthcoming as we continue in Crawford's series, Supernatural, the role of the third member of the Trinity. Now, last week we took a break from our series to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And today we pick up the second part of Crawford's message, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So far, we've looked at why it matters to be filled with the Holy Spirit and what's the nature of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Today, how to tell if someone is filled with the Spirit of God. If you're new to us, Crawford has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years. He now serves as head of Beyond Our Generation, which mentors those in ministry leadership. Crawford's books include Unshaken, Lessons from a Life Coach, Leadership as an Identity, and his latest, co-authored by his wife Karen, Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Now, if you've not been with us for previous messages in this series, they're available to listen to on our website. You can catch up at your convenience. I'll have more information about that at the close of our time together today. Let's head to Ephesians chapter 5. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. If we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit, we're controlled by ourselves. And there's never a time in a believer's life where it's okay to live a self-centered, self-directed life. We're living in the era of the Holy Spirit. The reason why the Spirit of God permanently indwells us is so that we will submit to him. And Paul says, hey, 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 Crawford, this ain't up to you. It's a command to be obeyed. Secondly, it is controlling. It is to be experienced. And be not drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. That's borne out by the analogy. And be not drunk with wine, that's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't be intoxicated with wine, but be intoxicated with or in the Holy Spirit. Delightfully intoxicated with the one who glorifies Christ and leads us into all truth. The one who can change your character, change your behavior, change your demeanor, change how you think, change how you respond. I want that to be the control in your life. No, you don't have to be an ugly person. No, you don't have to be a mean person. No, you don't have to be a discouraged person. No, you don't have to be a frustrated person. There is supernatural life flowing in this body. And the third thing that he says here, it's a command, it is controlling, but it also is continuous. And be not drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. It's in the present tense. And the command says you got to obey this. The idea of controlling means you need to experience this. But the idea of it being continuous says I need to rely on him. Moment by moment. That the filling of the Spirit is fragile and it is conditional. You, you, just because you were filled yesterday, just because something happened to you last month, just because you can give me five incredible experiences that you've had in your Christian life that did something extraordinary to you, doesn't mean that that's efficacious for the day or that it happens right now. 
And what Paul is saying by putting this in the present tense is that, look, look, Crawford, every moment of every day, you've got to press into the control of the Spirit of God. It's conditional. That leads us to the third question. Well, how can you tell? How can you tell? How can you tell one has been controlled or filled with the Spirit of God? How can you tell? I, I happen to believe many messages, and I've preached some of them myself, so I'm as guilty as what I'm criticizing right now. I, I happen to believe some of the messages that I've preached, and uh, I've heard others preach on the filling of the Spirit, they, they fall short. They skip over this one deal. They just say, okay, be filled with the Spirit. But there's a missing element. Because they say, well, how do, how do I know when I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, the Bible gives us many ways to know. I just want to give you five characteristics right from the scriptures. Five indications. Five ways in which we know that we we are being consistently controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The first characteristic is this. And that is, number one, the Spirit rules our lives. I I would put it another way. And if I preach this again, I'd change this around. I I put it another way. Uh, uh, We we live Christ-like and spiritually sensitive lives. Our, our minds are vertical. Uh, that's what Romans 8, 4 through 6 is all about. You look at that brief passage, four times it says in that brief passage, mind set on, mind set on, mind set on, mind set on. Not mind set on the flesh, not mind set on how you do life here, but minds that set on the spirit. You know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is when you have a vertical perspective. You see things from that delightfully third dimension, that spiritual dimension. You look at life from that set of lens. It's an indication that you're controlled by the Spirit of God. The second characteristic is that there's Christ-like character being formed and produced in your life. You're growing in these graces. You're growing in these characteristics. They're found over here in Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Context here, he gives the fruit of the Spirit after he talks about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit in Galatians 5 is just Paul's explanation of, uh, of, of Ephesians 5.18. He says, okay, if you, if you continue to be filled with the Spirit, what's going to happen is that the Spirit of God is going to produce some character qualities in you. And these character qualities happen to be the biographical profile of our Savior. And you're going to grow in these things. Notice he says the fruit of the Spirit. You can't give yourself these characteristics. Sorry. You can't produce them in your life. These transformative, life-giving characteristics, transformative characteristics, the product of the Spirit of God. Thirdly, there's liberty and freedom. This is the third characteristic of, of, of being controlled by the Spirit of God. That great text in 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty and freedom. It's interesting to me, whenever Paul uses the Spirit of God and freedom and liberty, whether it's in Romans 8, uh, over here in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, or in the book of Galatians, it's always, it's always in the context of freedom from performance and legalism. Check it out yourself. Check it out yourself. It's always in the context of performance from from legalism and performance from from all these external standards. He says, look, look, you're set free. 
And that's an experience. That's that you feel that. When we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, see, he came to exalt Christ. The Holy Spirit always magnifies grace. He always magnifies freedom. He always magnifies the liberty that we have and the joy that we have in our Savior. So a person who's filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit typically is experiencing grace and experiencing freedom. They've walked out of bondage. They're not trying to please everybody plus Jesus. Fourthly, person who's controlled by the Holy Spirit is, is characterized by worship and praise. That's what he means again in Ephesians 5, verse 18. Read, read verses 19 and 20. Be not drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Worship bubbles up. It comes out of you when you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you're under its control. You're, 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 you're exalting our great God and our Savior because the Holy Spirit came to exalt Christ and to exalt our great God. You're filled with wonder and worship. And then number five, I said this already, the fifth characteristic of a Spirit-filled Christian is witness and service. Witness and service. And again, I don't have time to do this, but I encourage you to trace that through the book of Acts. Look at the, the times the Spirit of God filled people, and look what happened after that. Filling boldness, filling boldness, filling boldness, filling boldness. Once again, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be. Statement of identity. You shall be my witnesses. Why? Because the Spirit of God exalts Christ through us. We want to serve. We want to serve not to demonstrate our spiritual gifts. We want to serve not to, not to for other, you know, maybe, yeah, we want to help people and all this other kind of thing, but we, we want to serve because we feel compelled to serve those indications. Well, the fourth and final question is this. Okay. Why does it matter? Right? Okay, it's life-giving and satisfaction. Yeah. Don't get drunk with wine. It's a command. Controlling. Continuous. And here are the characteristics. The fourth question is, what stops the flow? Or to put it another way, why aren't we filled? Why aren't we controlled? And I just want to stick with the scriptures. I suppose we could give a long list here. But there are three big headers in the New Testament. Three big reasons why we're, the Spirit of God doesn't fill us. The filling of the Spirit, remember I said the control of the Spirit is conditional. Did you hear that? It's conditional. It's conditional. His indwelling is not. Well, I suppose you could say it's conditional on our, our repentance and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord, but he permanently indwells us. But his fill, the filling is very fragile. It's conditional. And here are the three conditions. 
The flow of the Spirit is stopped. The control of the Spirit is stopped when, number one, he is grieved. When he is grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, And grieve not, grieve not the Spirit. The idea of grieving the Spirit is is, is, is not just anger, but it is what the word implies. It is hurting the Spirit's heart because of sin. Sin stops the control of the Spirit in its tracks. In its tracks. Don't ever pray to be filled with the Spirit if you're not willing to pray, God, cleanse me and forgive me and of my sin. You can pray until the cows come home. God, fill me with your spirit. But if you still got lust in your heart and mind that you have not dealt with, you still got a bitter, angry spirit that you've not dealt with, you still got unforgiveness in your heart. You, 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 you know what? You know what? You can pray until the cows come home. It's like talking to this wall. The spirit of God goes, seriously, Crawford? My name is Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. Now, I don't mean that to be cute or funny. But you, you know, the third person of the Godhead lives inside of me. Do you actually think that he's going to put up with me not confessing and dealing with my sin? And all of a sudden, say, oh, that's okay. I'll give you a passcode, but I'll, I'll, I'll fill you today. No. When we grieve him, when we grieve him, we no longer are controlled by him. Number two, when he is quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 says, and quench not the spirit. The idea of quenching the spirit is, is to hinder or stifle the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I suppose you could say that's under the broad banner of sin. I wouldn't argue with that at all. But the quenching of the spirit, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like a little subtle thing where you, you refuse to listen to the promptings of the spirit. I'm going to talk about this two weeks from now. You refuse to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been warning you about something or been leading you to do something, and you sort of like squelch him and, and turn him off. That subtle ignoring is what's called the quenching of the Spirit. I'm ashamed to say this, but I've done that. I've done this here at the church. In a very subtle ways, when I've been sitting in meetings and the Lord has been pressing on my heart to say something about a situation or, or and I knew it was the Lord, the, the Holy Spirit leading me to do something and if for whatever reason I either got talked out of it or just sort of backed away from it and I have felt guilty. So when he is quenched or ignored, that's when we're no longer under his control. And the third and final one is when he is denied. And by, by, by denial, I'm not talking about denying his, his place, his existence, and who he is and his character. But by denial, I mean by, by denying him access to our lives, and we choose to live and serve in the flesh. That's what Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 is about. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And as you go on to read the rest of that paragraph, he flips it around. This is what the flesh does. And when you don't allow the Spirit of God to have access to every nook and cranny of your life, he says, uh-uh, see ya. You deal with that, Crawford. You think you can figure this out? You think you can work this out? You think you can gut this out? You think you got a strong personality? You think you can, can you know, make a few phone calls? You think you can just kind of like go see some people and you don't have to depend on me? Help yourself, buddy. Tell me in a few weeks later how this is working for you. And that's how we ask the Spirit of God to get away from us. 
We disinvite his control in many ways. Many subtle, sophisticated ways. We disinvite his influence. I just wonder where could we be if every last one of us in this room experienced moment by moment the control of the Spirit of God. Rivers of living water. What would your family look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your community look like? What would your job look like? Not to mention your personal sense of fulfillment and and joy. What would we all look like? If we stop fighting and stop resisting the power of the Spirit of God. If we surrendered to him and said, Lord, take over, take charge of my life. Just what would we look like? What would this church be? What would this community be? What would happen during our moment in history if we truly got out of the spirit of God's way? If we got out of his way and we stopped trying to be all that and trying to impress people with who we are and all that stuff. Do you know where the hope is? It can begin right now. At this very moment, in all of our lives, I gotta tell you, this is the most important message I ever heard in my life, and I bless God that as a young man I heard it. I was on my knees in my office praying early this morning, and the Lord just brought to my mind, and I I say this, I say this with, I'm not trying to be falsely humble, He brought to my mind how totally inadequate I have always been for anything that he's done through me. And he kept whispering to my soul, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. But I was also tragically reminded of those times in which I've trusted in Crawford. We've got some decisions to make if we're going to be consistently fruitful followers of the Lord Jesus, then the control of the Holy Spirit has to be an ongoing, daily, moment-by-moment spiritual discipline in all of our lives. It's not a one-and-done thing because the truth of the matter is we're all prone to wander. If as I have been speaking, you have come to the conclusion in your own heart and life, as I have on a number of occasions, that I'm not controlled by the Holy Spirit. I hate to sound so very simple, but there are three basic things that we have to do. These three things, they're very easy to understand. I didn't say that they're easy to do, but they're very easy to understand. The very first thing that we need to do, if you're not sure that you're filled with the Spirit and you want to be, the very first thing that we need to do is to confess and repent of our sin. That's that's where it starts. Whether it is self-reliance, whatever it might be, and I want you to bow your heads with me right now. All of us, let's just bow our heads together and ask the Holy Spirit to show you, is there anything in my life, attitude or any sin, that I've not dealt with. And the Holy Spirit doesn't have a speech impediment. He is very specific, and he'll point out something specific to you. 
And I want to encourage you. When he points that out to you, just confess it to him, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess it. The second step is yieldedness, surrender. Where we just say to God, oh God, I make myself totally, unreservedly available to you. I surrender to your control. I'm not asking for a feeling. I'm not asking even for the affirmation of emotions. But I surrender to you. I hold nothing back. And the third step is this. Simply believe him. He commanded us to be filled with his spirit. He told us that if we ask anything in his name according to his will, he would do it. He said, we know it's his will for us to be filled. So choose to believe him. And wait for those characteristics. They'll show up, those things that I mentioned, they'll show up in our lives. But don't look for a feeling, just say, Lord, I believe you've heard my prayer. And I trust you by your promise that I'm controlled by your spirit. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll help all of us, including this old boy up here. Help us to be aware of those moments in which we slip back into self-reliance and uh, those times in which we may grieve your heart or we quench you or we sort of like put out those no trespassing signs and deny you access. Help us, oh God. There's too much at stake, Lord, too much at stake. Lord, we want to press into what, you, what, what you've created us to be, why we are here, what you want to do through us. Oh God, pour in us so that we can pour out on others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Crawford Loretz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? Well, let's look at those characteristics once again. Number one, when we're filled with the Spirit, our minds are vertical. Number two, there's a Christ-like character being produced in our lives. Number three, we experience liberty and freedom. Number four, we worship and praise. And number five, we witness and serve. We're in a series called Supernatural, learning about the third person of the Trinity. And we hope you're learning many things in this series. If so, we'd appreciate it if you'd let us know. Email us at legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. We recently heard from Sharon, who says, Crawford, I hope you write a book on the series Supernatural. I'm finding it so helpful to understand God the Holy Spirit, His function, and His equality with God the Father and God the Son. I listen to Living a Legacy on WBNH in Pekin, Illinois. Well, that's awesome, Sharon. Thanks so much for letting us know. Now, how about you? Thoughts on this current series? Get in touch with us at legacyatmoody.edu or through our website. If you've just recently joined us for the series Supernatural and would like to hear former messages, visit our webpage at livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Next week, Crawford teaches on the leading of the Holy Spirit and hope you'll be right back here with us. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.